The following episode of The Walking Dead Podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible.com is the premier source of spoken audio information and entertainment on the internet. Choose from their extensive catalog of over 215,000 audio programs from leading audiobook publishers, comedy specials, magazine and newspaper publishers, business information providers, as well as many other products. Audible is also the preeminent provider of spoken word audio podcasts for Apple's iTunes Store. In addition to audio programs from outside publishers, Audible.com introduces Audible Studios. Matching the most imaginative and esteemed authors with the world's best performers, including Academy Award winners, respected stage actors, and Juilliard graduates, Audible Studios produces a diverse catalog of engaging audio ventures for every age. Sign up today for your free, no-obligation trial membership at audibletrial.com forward slash dead. You'll get a free audiobook, and you'll be helping to support The Walking Dead podcast. So head on over to audibletrial.com forward slash dead and start a new adventure today. And now, we're pleased to present the latest episode of The Walking Dead podcast. We always think there's going to be more time. It's the Walking Dead Podcast. Got any advice for me? Yeah, I'd say make a run for it. This is the Walking Dead Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Walking Dead television show on AMC and the Walking Dead comic from Image Comics. Come on, come on! So sit back, relax, and join the herd. was a journalist, but she was being modest. She exposed a bunch of sleazeball politicians and put them behind bars. And you? I was in high school, stressing about stupid shit that felt like the end of the world. And who are you now? says she's my guardian angel, but really it's the other way around. I guess I'm still a music teacher. Um, education never ends. Not even in the face of monsters and mayhem.
and welcome back to another episode of the walking dead podcast i'm scott and here with me as always except when he's not mr gary yeah i'm here because i'm not not here today yes but who are you now that's the question you know Oof. uh that's a loaded question man i'll have to get back to you on that one says he's still a music teacher i got it <laughs> Yeah, okay. I'm definitely not an ex-con. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For now, I don't recall if she's that in the book. Maybe they revealed that later, but they didn't reveal it at the beginning. Yeah, if they uh, did, they didn't. I don't recall them making as big a deal of it as they did this. But I only made it kind of up a little past where they ended the episode. Yeah. So and yeah, we'll get into that. I'm remembering more. I read this like whenever we were going to do it. It <laughs> like a year and a half ago. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Already was volume, volume 22. Already had the thing typed up. We just never ended up doing it. Yeah. But um, yeah, I I really like what they did, and I'll get into that too, and a whole range of other things, man. <laughs> yeah, me too. Anyway, this is episode 223 of the podcast. But first, you know... You know what? As always, you can leave your comments or feedback by emailing us at twdpodcast at gmail.com or by posting a comment on our Facebook page. Yep. You know where that is? It's on Facebook. Yep. Yeah. Still there. That that thing. Yeah. <laughs> you can also give us a call on our voicemail line at 561-501-143 and let us know what's on your walking dead mind. Again, that is 561-501-143. Before we uh, jump into our episode, I wanted to say a quick few words about the passing of Mr. Stanley. Yeah. Uh, this just happened yesterday. It's Tuesday the 13th as we're recording this. This announced yesterday that he passed away. 95, man. Yeah. Wow. Imagine life. life. Yeah. It's amazing. What he saw, the Depression, World War II, and everything after, up till now, and watching what he built. And then it kind of faded away, it seemed a little bit, and then it's come back stronger than ever. But, you know, it's it's hard to miss the influence of Stan Lee that he had on the development of comic books and contemporary entertainment. I think we often miss the influence his creativity has in popular culture in terms of not only how we view heroism in a mythical sense, but the idea of the hero as a flawed individual. Yeah, I don't know if that was a thing before, but certainly that seems to be a, a base model of heroic characters, particularly comic book characters, that they have flaws. And uh, I saw a clip of an interview that he did where he mentioned that was what he wanted to do, is show to, to make them more relatable. Yeah. Is that these are people who had the same problems we did. So while many people who aren't comic book nerds might not know the name Stan Lee, they certainly know the names of many of the iconic characters he created in large measure with another guy named Jack Kirby, who did a lot of the original artwork at Marvel Comics. These characters were Spider-Man, Captain America, and the Hulk, to name a few. I'm sure everybody's heard of them. Yeah. And if you've seen any of the Marvel movies like Iron Man, Spider-Man, the Avengers, Stanley usually has a cameo appearance in all of them. He has one at the end of Captain America Winter Soldier where he, he's trying to l deliver a package to Tony Stank. <laughs> yeah. I um, I just wanted to say I loved – I saw a uh, – a clip from an interview last night that I remember seeing it at the time, but I just, it made me chuckle thinking of him. Um, it was uh, something on the lines of someone asked him, you know, how he feels about all of the 
works he's done being made into movies and him having cameos in all of them. And he, he said, well, I got to say, I really appreciate the fans coming out to see my cameos and also the little movies behind them. <laughs> just kind of a funny little, yeah. you know, he never lost it, even in his 90s. No, no, he he, he was uh, still, I think, I don't know if he went into work every day, but he was still the chairman emeritus of Marvel. Yeah. So I mentioned it here. Because without a doubt, we probably have The Walking Dead today, beginning as a graphic novel in large measure because of the influence Stan Lee and Marvel Comics had on the industry as a whole. Yeah. So rest in peace, Stan Lee, and as he would say, Excelsior. Not sure what that's a reference to, but it's his thing. Yep. So back in the 80s, there was a cartoon on Saturday morning called Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends. It was, for some reason, a team-up between Spider-Man Iceman, <laughs> some character they created for the show called Firestar. Yeah. Kind of like Firestorm. Is that the name of the uh, the character from Flash? Yeah. Kind of yeah. like that, but no nuclear fusion thing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, they, and Stan Lee did a voice narration on each of the episodes. So, I forgot about that. Yeah. They had the scrolls in there. But yeah. we'll see soon in the Mar- Captain Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did a whole, they even had an episode with the X-Men, which was odd to see Juggernaut throw Wolverine at a wall and, and Wolverine gets stuck in the wall with his claws. But like, <laughs> that's not how it would work. Anyway, <laughs> dorks, what can we say? Yeah. So, not to ramble, Gary. Now on to the main event, our recap of Season 9, Episode 6. Who are you now? That's a loaded question. People ask me that all the time. Like you indicated, I really don't know who the hell I am. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure out who you are. Who are you anyway? Um, Some people call me Mr. Gary. Yeah, that works. Detective yeah. Gary. Yeah. Go back yeah, to Detective Gary. You know, there's <laughs> 10 more episodes of that. And then yeah. It. Yeah. Gotham's almost we'll done. Get Batman at the end there. So I heard that. Yeah. All right. I'm. Jump ahead. Yep. I'm interrupting the the transition music. So here we go. the first time in a while Gary I was actually very much looking forward to the episode yeah me too as I've mentioned I've been waiting for the new characters to show up and I really like the way they adapted them from the book I thought the way they introduced them was pretty awesome yeah again it's slightly different in the book but I really liked what they did with it on TV especially introducing the older Judith that uh, was really cool obviously she's taken over they're adapting Carl's storyline from the book to her which, of course, they can't do in the book because Jude is dead in the book. So, Which is interesting, though, because of the way things worked out. Carl was getting a little too old. But now, yeah. for, for that for that part of the story where he was. Right. But now Judith is kind of right in that same age range where he was in the book at that time. Well, it, it, at this part of the story, he's actually like a teenager, like 13 oh, or 14. Really? Yeah. Well, never mind. I just made that up, I guess. But, but <laughs> throughout, throughout most of the story up to that point, Carl is like the age that Judith is now. 
And yeah. she looks very much like the way he did, except with two eyes. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he doesn't, he wore a patch over it for a while, but then he just left it out in the open. Yeah. Like, well, okay. in the words of Eugene, she has more death perception. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to that. <clears throat> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, mm. Although yeah. a lot of changes were made from the source material, the story is essentially the same, but with different characters in the plot. This is mainly because the characters in the book that take part in the plot points of the story are all dead, or in Rick's case, just gone. It's kind of ironic that most of the characters that are in those plot points on the show are primarily dead, or in Michonne's case, somewhere else in the st- source story. <laughs> yeah. I, I th- it's just interesting to me how they, f- how they work around that. Mm-hmm. So let's just jump in to likes and dislikes. Because right. I have both. I have both. <laughs> I'm a well-rounded, flawed critiquer. So, definitely round. Uh, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I am too. It's okay. I can say it. <laughs> moving on. Moving on. <laughs> <Dick. clears throat> uh, the first like I have... It's certainly not going to be you. Uh, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> uh, uh, it's, that's like <laughs> in Silicon Valley, they developed this app. It's supposed to be Shazam, but for food. Yeah. And they put it on a hot dog and it said, this is a hot dog. And they put it on something else. It goes, this is not a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> or is it not a hot dog? <laughs> it's not a hot dog. Oh man, that's awesome! It just says hot dog and not a hot dog. (laughs) Anyway, so the adaptation, I like what they're doing. Some of it was different, some of it was adapted, and some of it was new. In the end, I liked it all. Something I haven't said since season six. (laughs) Um, Let's briefly examine what's what. Let's dive in. Brought in a couple. Sure. Um, The Ezekiel Henry plotline. The mm, part of the plot where Ezekiel doesn't want Henry to go to the hilltop to apprentice with Earl Sutton because he doesn't want his little boy to go on is adapted from the book. In the book, it's Rick not wanting Carl to do that. And like on the show, he eventually relents after being convinced to do so by his lady. In the case of the book, it's Andrea. Rick and Michonne don't hook up in the book. She's actually in an it's complicated thing with Ezekiel. Yeah. There's no Henry in the book or any storyline about mechanical problems with the kingdom's infrastructure. And isn't Carol pretty long gone at this point in the book? Oh, yeah. I'm going to mention that in a minute. Okay, okay. But yeah, there's, there's okay. the whole thing about Henry is the one that fixes the pumps. Yeah. Whatever. That's not in the book because there's no Henry and there's no... The kingdom is basically like a, a high school, mm-hmm. the grounds of a high school that a bunch of people live on. It's not like a town like in the show they the hilltop on the show looks very much like the hilltop in the book but the kingdom in the show is completely different than the one in the book yeah i mean when they meet ezekiel in in there that he, he they meet him in a theater they meet him in like the high school auditorium he's like wearing a hawaiian shirt or something. <laughs> so anyway uh when henry leaves for the kingdom he's taken there by carol while Ezekiel stays back at the kingdom. In the book, Rick takes Carl to the hilltop. On the way there, they aren't confronted by rogue saviors. In fact, in the part of the story I've read, they just mentioned that the sanctuary is someone they trade with. Mm. 
but that's it. It has no other significance in the story. And they mm-hmm. just mentioned Dwight. I don't know if Dwight's going to be back. Um, I haven't heard anything about that, but me neither. I'm guessing probably not. Yeah. But in anyway, there's no rogue saviors, but Rick does encounter one of the patrol officers because in there, the three communities, Kingdom, Hilltop, and Alexandria, contribute personnel to a joint patrol uh, organization, a unit that clears the roads and makes sure that people can safely travel from one community to the other. And uh, Rick, uh, a walker almost gets up on them, and Rick like gets a little bit ahead of himself. Carl wants to take care of it. Rick's like, no, no, I'll do it, son. Of course, Rick's leg was completely messed up by Negan in the fight. So Rick has to walk with a cane. And in the book, he only has one hand. So barely, he barely makes it through. And then right after that, one of the patrol officers comes up. Oh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Grant, blah, blah. And then Rick is like, me and my son were almost killed. And then he takes out a cane and like beats the shit out of this guy. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, for those of you that don't follow the book, Rick had his hand chopped off by the governor when the governor first met him. Yeah. I don't remember. I think it was just like a, you know, tell me where your people are. If you don't chop. Yeah. It was something like that. Wasn't it? Yeah. I don't really remember. want to know where they came from. And, and Rick is like, we don't come from anywhere. And, and governor's <laughs> like, you're lying. Chop. So. That reminds me of, um, I forgot about that scene, the scene, the scene in the book, I guess from, uh, of Rick beating the guy with the cane. Yeah. Are you familiar? Have you heard at all about a uh, Batman Beyond, the show that was on the cartoon? Yeah, I've, I've seen a couple episodes of it. Okay, and, I didn't know if you'd seen movie, any of it. And the movie Return of the Joker. Okay, the um, you might have seen it then, depending on what you saw. But in the first episode, before the the kid that ends yeah. up becoming the new Terry, Batman takes Terry, over, Terry, whatever. Yeah, yeah, Terry. Um, when he first meets Bruce Wayne, there's like some hooligans trying to mess with Bruce Wayne out mm-hmm. in front of Wayne Manor. Oh yeah, he, old dude limbs come up, so comes out with a cane and just beats the shit handily out of these three kids. Yeah, yeah I remember that. His house. It's just it reminds yeah. me of the same thing. Just kind of like old man Rick was the same way. Just like he yeah. might look old, he might limp around with the cane and stuff, but you yeah. threaten him. Well, Bruce, I think Bruce Wayne's what like seventy years old or something. In the yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I, again, I, you know, Rick doesn't have a hand or. A yeah, I, I enjoyed that. I wish they, they'd make that into like a live action thing. That'd be cool. They were talking about it at one point, like in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. after uh, those first Batman movies ended well, with uh, George Clooney. I can see why they didn't then. Yeah. Well, they, they were thinking about it, but then they ended up doing um, Batman Begins. Batman with a Vengeance, was that it? Um, the one with George Clooney? Batman Forever. No, that was the Val Kilmer one. Oh. Um, yeah. Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin, yeah, god yeah, awful. I, so I, watched, I couldn't make it through more than 10 minutes of it. I had to turn it off. Yeah. The bat yeah. nipples were too much. Oh, yeah. There's no rogue saviors, at least in this part of the story. Nope. I didn't like this at first, the scene in the show, but it was a good device to show how us why fucking with Carol is always a bad idea, you know, if you weren't already sure. Yeah. I ended up liking this entire segment because not only did it tie up the loose ends from what happened at the camp six years ago, but it did away with the last pro-Negan saviors. And I liked, too, in addition to that, that um, it's showing little by little that even though it's been whatever chunk of time, however many years or whatever, they're all still badasses. (laughs) You know, like, none of them got soft. Carol might be just the queen of the kingdom now, you know, but she can still kick some butt. And I was going to say, like, you're going to 
um, talk about here in a minute too, when they they see Daryl and the, the scene we see in the beginning of him, yeah, Hobo Daryl. You know, Hobo he might Darryl. be yeah, he might be on his own and you know spearing fish and stuff like that. But if a walker or anyone comes up to threaten him, he's still on it. Yeah, they yeah. call that the Aquaman Walker <laughs> in the in the Departed segment. I like that. I missed that the part Aquaman the Walker. I don't always miss Fear the Walk or Fear the Walking Dead. I don't always miss well, that uh, either. Talking, yeah. Uh, I don't always miss Talking Dead, but yeah. the thing I probably miss the most, aside from the random good uh, interviews and guests they have on, is yeah. the in memoriam segment. That always gets a chuckle out of me every time. They had some guy named Drew Scott on there. I don't know who that is. And they had um, uh, Lauren Ridloff and Angel Theory, who play the two sisters that sign. Oh, okay. In the show, the newcomers. Yeah. Um, they were on there. So I mentioned an interesting aspect of them, of those two actresses. But um, they were on there, and I just, I was just interested to see a little bit of it, but I didn't watch the rest of it because, you know, it's really hit or miss, mostly miss. Yeah, that's fair. So anyway, um, so uh, the final adaptation point I was going to mention was the Carol and Henry meet Daryl scene. I liked seeing Carol meet up with Daryl and it was a nice way to arrange a final scene for them in the episode. And in the, in the scene from next week's episode, we find out that Daryl has a dog. Hmm. I'm like, that's awesome. Daryl has a dog. Yeah. Good, good dog. (laughs) Um, This doesn't happen to the book because Henry and Daryl don't exist in the book. And Carol died at the prison when she committed suicide by letting a walker bite her in the neck after she was unable to handle Tyrese cheating on her with Michonne. Which seems like a really odd thing to say after watching TV Carol develop as she has. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but no, um, Tyrese and Carol are together at the prison, and then Michonne arrives around that time and immediately like goes after Tyrese <laughs> and like seduces him. And then um, I think Carol either walks in on it or suspects it and just can't. She's already going crazy by that point. Yeah. And, uh, of course, in, in the book, Sophia doesn't die. So Sophia grows up and lives. And she's actually Enid is the stand-in for Sophia from the mm. book. Yeah. She becomes Maggie's daughter. And, uh, yeah, so uh, Carol lets in the yard when they're all, like, recreating. um yeah, Carol lets a walker bite her in the neck, and that's that. Yeah. So, you know, anyway, that's just a few. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah. I really like that, and it's always fun to touch on the adaptation because it's something that yeah is really important to the show, but at the same mm-hmm. time, the show just kind of does its own thing, so it's really cool to see where they compare and contrast. Yeah, I haven't done it in a while, so I just thought it would be useful for context. It's not something yeah. very often, but. Or much, but <laughs> definitely okay. Um, my first positive I really loved, and it was a simple thing, but in the beginning, when you see the aftermath of the scene, uh, from last week where Judith runs in with this group, and then you see the rest of our group from Alexandria that went with her, um, and they're debating and saying it's against the rules, we can't bring her, you know, stuff like that, or we can't bring them, um. Yeah. Judith forces them by saying, if they don't go, I don't go. And I felt like that was a very cool, like, I could see Carl doing that. I could see Rick with certain things doing that. You know, just a very cool, like, yeah. well, <laughs> if you want to, you know, I thought it was really cool. 
Yeah, except that they've done that so many times. I mean, everything has done that. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's a trope for it's sure. Like, it's I like, like that she stood her ground, I guess. It's like the trope in Lost. It's how they'd get around answering questions. Well, that would just pose more questions than it would answer. Oh, my God. Again, really? Yeah. <laughs> and they finally, I just really liked it in the last season. The guy's like, I'm sick and tired of you guys doing that. Just answer the damn question. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, I mean, also, it, maybe this one would be a little better for you. In that scene, another thing I really liked was badass Eugene now. Eugene can actually do some shit. Um, yes. Only in that one scene, really. I mean, the rest of the episode, he's pretty much... Yes, uh, yes. But, but in that one scene, especially when he comes in at first, he just kills three or four walkers just like it's nothing. Yes, he does. Yes, so that was pretty cool to see that he actually progressed a little bit and then for, backpedaled. Later for a moment. For a moment. <laughs> yeah. One step forward, three steps back. But for a it's moment. Okay. <laughs> yes. For a moment, I forgot why I hate the character. Yeah. I actually thought, like, wow, we're going to finally see a cool, like, no. you know, self-confident, awesome Eugene. No. And no. No. But, but for a moment there, it looked really good. <laughs> they did, however, I do appreciate the fact that they, they maintained his romantic interest in Rosita. Yeah, true. In the book. Uh, this is the last one of these I'm going to do. In the book, they live together, mm. but she's been, and he's, they live together, but they're not like together. Yeah. And he clearly wants to be with her. And he talks about it to other people. I'm like, why don't you just tell her? And he's like, I'm afraid she'll, yeah. And apparently she wasn't gotten involved with somebody else and thinks she's pregnant. Mm. And then, um, it doesn't work out with that guy or she doesn't want to stay with that guy. So she goes to him and they kind of get closer, but I haven't gone any further than that. But he clearly like us. He's clearly liked her for a long time. Yeah. When, um, in fact, in the book, when Abraham breaks up with her, she goes and lives with Eugene. He takes her in. Hmm. All right. My next uh, like is the Alexandria council. This is just on TV, but it's a great addition, especially showing Gabriel develop into this leader that he is very clearly not in the book. As you can probably tell from our turnout here, it's been a long time since we've seen new faces inside these walls. We're a fair community of decent-minded people, but we are not soft. And that's not going to change today. Actually, in the book, his character doesn't really do much except once in a while when they show a church service. Mm-hmm. Other than that, he's like just in the background. But I, I really like what they've they've done, and especially that that eye. Yeah. The telltale eye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. And you? Um, it was only kind of a side point in this episode. And we don't know how much they'll even be able to do with it in this uh, first half of the season here. But I like the idea of a radio relay system. Oh, yeah. That up. That uh, Gabriel uh, promoted. (laughs) Gabriel mentioned and uh, Rosita picked up and said she would uh, try to get working on. I think it's a really cool idea and can really open up the world, especially as far as advanced as these groups are getting right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other random group we don't know about with the helicopter and all these other sort of things like it'd be really neat to see how far they take that and what that could mean, what doors that could open up, you know? The, the thing is, I also like the fact that it's used as the plot device, which 
propels them to go out beyond the limits of where they normally patrol. True. This is the tension point that leads to their confrontation with the whispers in the book mm. is that they've, they're expanding the three communities area of patrol is expanding out into the, the whispers territory. And yeah. that's why they're now encountering them when they didn't Smart. encounter them before. So I like the way that they, they adapted that. that yeah, definitely. In, in the book, it's just, they randomly are patrolling out there and they end up inadvertently doing that. Mm-hmm. But in the show, they came up with a, a a very uh, legitimate and realistic reason why they would do it. They're trying to set up a relay station a little bit outside of where they go. I thought that was yeah. a great idea. Very neat. Mm-hmm. My third is the look Michonne flashes Gabriel when he introduces <laughs> her as our fellow council member and head of security. And she looks at him like, I'm going to fucking smack you. Yeah. <laughs> it's just really brief, really flashed. Like she's like, really? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And I could. When I pop you in the other eye. Dick. <laughs> so. Yeah. The way she rides in and they all stop, one would think that she's the leader. Uh, singular. Mm-hmm. But apparently they lead through a community council and they don't have like a mayor or anything. Yeah. But I guess the head of security kind of functions as the mayor. Yeah, <laughs> but I guess so. But she's incorporated her ideas on the reestablishment of some democratic institutions by creating this council. I don't know if they're elected or she just like appoints her cronies. Yeah. People with like a weird eye. You have the weird eye slot. <laughs> and we want you to sit in the middle so you can stare at people with that eye and then like, oh shit, this guy's serious. Yeah. It's like the revolving black door, uh, the revolving black door, the revolving door of black guys in the early on in the series. Yeah, you know, like there was one black guy, and then he died, and then oh, another black guy. Yeah, they, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have a new black character unless the old black character died. Yeah, <laughs> and you couldn't have more than one at a time. Yeah, of course they broke that. They broke that when they kept Sasha on with with Tyrese. Yes, yeah, but now there's a one eye group. <laughs> that once Gabriel bites it, there'll have to be another guy with only one eye. Although they have kept Shaniqua Martin Green's husband on the show. That's true. Yep. That's true. Guy has a name that's easy for me to remember. What's that? Scott. <laughs> I, was, well, I just wanted you to say it. Yes. He's, cool. He's also bald. That seems to be the thing, too. Yeah. Gabriel's bald. So the guy's bald. What's up with that? You're not bald. No, I'm not go on <laughs> i right. use the right um, con- i use the right conditioner well, good for you that's that's very good to take care of your hair i do um they had, oh, a, sale. They had a sale at supercuts what was i supposed to do <laughs> um mine actually was uh <laughs> that uh i guess kind of the whole thing with carol and that group of saviors and <laughs> Just going back to burn them all. <laughs> I oh, just, yeah. I mean, we talked a little bit about how you don't want to mess with Carol and how she came off as a badass in that scene, but like, they stole my she, wedding ring, so I'm gonna go back and get it and burn all of them. <laughs> like, he wasn't even conflicted for a second. No, not even a moment's hesitation. Not even like when they went in that uh, that outpost and killed the saviors while they slept. 
in that one. Like that was more yeah. tense and like hard on them. Carol didn't even what <laughs> bad an eye. She's just like, all right, you wronged me. I'm gonna kill you all. That's it. Well, plus, I mean, there was all this stuff with the saviors and what that meant having them come back. But yeah, I, I think she didn't. Uh, you know, they obviously uses to do two things to tie up that loose end of what happened at the camp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to, and of course, that's in the previously seen scene. Yeah. But also to completely close off that, tie it up completely and get Jed his due. Yes. But yeah. Uh, and I mean, I it's clear she doesn't believe that they just found all that stuff. Mm-hmm. She believes they killed it. And they probably did. Because yeah. he says he says to her, I'm going to let you go because you didn't kill me. And I'm like, oh, that's what happened. But I thought that was, I mean, and I'll get to that in dislikes. I thought that was so foreseeable what happened there. Yeah. How they got cut. Yeah. I just yeah. So my number four like is the new characters so far. So far I like them. It's a nice callback to our group in earlier times. I'm interested to see what they do with Magna. As well as like watching Magna. I mean to see what they do with Magna. I'm just kidding. I, I do like I think she did a great job. Her name is Nadia Hilker. She has a decent T V resume, including the one hundred, hmm. which I watched like the first episode of. And then I'm like, this is not, I'm not the target audience here, but it's still on. I think you're in like season six or something. Something like that, yeah. And I believe Alicia Debnam Carey was on there also. Hmm. So how could it be bad, Gary? (laughs) I guess not. I guess there's no way. The only reason I didn't make sure I watched is because Adrian Palicki is in it. Yeah. I would have been like number one fan. So (laughs) even if they just had like a cameo appearance. Yeah. Oh, they had, okay. Uh, also interesting that unlike many of the cast, she isn't from Britain. She's from Germany. Hmm. You can tell it a little bit. There's a little bit of a tinge of an accent in there when yeah. she speaks, but just a little bit. When she speaks for a lot, she sounds, you can't tell. As for the rest, Luke, the music teacher, talks entirely too much, but so <laughs> far I like what he says. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to become annoyed with Kelly at some point since she seems so emotional. But yeah. we'll see. <laughs> uh, I think it's very interesting that the two characters that are signing, who are sisters on the show, are both people who are hearing impaired. Lauren Ridloff, who plays the deaf survivor, Connie, is actually deaf in real life. Oh, wow. And communicates through sign language. Hmm. And then Angel Theory, who plays Kelly, is hard of hearing. She speaks very well, but she needs sign language interpreter to understand what the other person is saying. I assume she probably also reads lips, but... Um, they had to have their translators on Talking Dead oh, when wow. they did it, yeah. Particularly with um, uh, Lauren Ridloff. So uh, it, it worked well. It was kind of reminiscent of watching when uh, Marley, I don't want to, is it Marley Madeline? Yeah. Is on when she's in an interview. Sometimes she's, most of the time she doesn't speak. She speaks through her interpreter, Jack. Mm-hmm. But sometimes she will speak. It's It's interesting. Yeah, because yeah, I like the fact that these interpreters are able to also uh, channel the emotion that the person is saying when they're speaking. But that that was good. Hmm. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, you. Um, <clears throat> the one thing was kind of a, a tease that I'm interested to see where it goes. Um, 
but they mentioned that the hilltop has been more in distance, more and more distant since. Yeah, since something. Yeah, and we we can assume it has something to do with Maggie leaving or dying or whatever. Right. But right. Who knows? Um, I interesting little thread they dropped out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I like the fact that they didn't over exposit exposit it. Yeah. I probably didn't say that right at all, but (laughs) you know they didn't say what it was, or they didn't. They did it where they they talk they communicated on it like two people would if they knew all about it. They would have no need to do an exposition on it. Yeah. So I, I appreciated that. You don't really need, it really, you know, something happened. You figure it probably has to do with Maggie. You don't know, but you know enough and they didn't have to say. Yeah. They did this. They would do this well in game of Thrones until they revealed what actually happened. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> kick off the plot who was actually behind it when the woman that this guy was involved with you know articulates what he told her to do to get it to start i'm like well shit <laughs> you know it yeah. would have been better to like it's always better to kind of just give enough and then you let the viewer's imagination kind of fill it in until they find out more mm-hmm. so but far too often the People who make these things think the rest of us can't come up, so they have to tell us. I I really liked it. I don't know if you saw The Contender. I don't think so. The Contender is, to, to make a long story short, The Contender is about the president wants to, it's Jeff Bridges, wants to nominate a woman. In, mm-hmm. in, according to our constitution, if there's a vacancy in the office of vice president, the president nominates uh, an appointee who then goes through a confirmation is, is confirmed is goes through a hearing in the Senate and then has to be voted on by both the Senate and the house. Normally. And if you have like, um, it, it's unlike not too much different than like Supreme court justices, there's a vacancy. The president nominates the Senate does a hearing and then the Senate votes, but just the Senate does for vice president is both house. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. He wants to nominate this, this woman, He's a Democrat, so he's nominated Democrat. The the Republican that's in charge of the committee that's going to um, do the hearing, Gary Oldman, he doesn't want her. And so there's a whole adventure in that. But they, they constantly reference this tension between that guy who's played by Gary Oldman and the president hmm. by using this one phrase to highlight whatever it is that they had between them that really caused uh, the Gary Oldman character a great bit of expense to the president's benefit. They never say what it is. They just refer to it as after Hartford. Hmm. And it's supposed to, it's implied that they had some kind of confrontation and Gary Oldman's character lost and the president benefited from that. And they refer to this as Hartford, something that happened in Hartford but they never say what it is. So you're left to determine what you think it is, but you don't really need to know what it is. You just know it's this thing that happened between the two of them. And that's why probably ultimately the one guy is opposing him. Yeah. I deduce it's that the one guy was the nominee for the other party. And that was a debate in which resulted in Gary Oldman losing the election. Hmm. Guessing. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds it. 
my point is they don't go into some big detail on it. He just says that Hartford. And I've seen other things where they make this just a, a statement about it that would be what two people say if they know all about it. Unlike in like Mission to Mars where where Tim Roth or unlike in Mission to Mars where the one character explains the whole thing with the other guy. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, well now I don't have to think about it. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so just making a short story long there. Anyway. <laughs> cool though. You there? <laughs> yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> no, oh, what, is it over? Uh, anyway. Oh, 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 oh. I'm, I'm here. I'm awake. All right, my next to last like is the final scene with uh, Rosita and Eugene put the mud on them and they're hiding in the ditch as the herd mm-hmm. goes by. This is right out of the book. Except in the book, it's two random patrol officers and not Eugene or Rosita. But it doesn't matter. Um, I know where they're going with it because I read past this part in the book. And the opening minutes of the next week, next episode confirm this. But they still did a great job adapting it. And I'm glad that they used two characters we know. It wouldn't yeah. have meant, meant as much if it was two people we didn't know. So it was a great way to end the episode with the walkers going, with the walkers talking. <laughs> Where are they? And you let them get away. <laughs> Very well done, I thought. Can you agree. The look on their faces like, what the fuck? And they did that in the book, too. They draw on the fit. Oh, my God, they're talking. What? <laughs> All right, well, my final like is Judas Boom Goes a Dynamite Line. <laughs> when she's talking to Negan. You know the strangers we brought here yesterday? My mom's going to make them leave. Well, no, I didn't know. But let me guess. You being you... You want to help them? I found them. I brought them here. Let me tell you something. When I was about your age, I used to bring home stray dogs. My mom, she hated it. I never understood why. They always seemed so friendly and grateful. Till one day, I brought home the wrong dog. What happened? Did it bite you? Not me. That dog killed all the other strays chewed off half my mom's ear when she tried to stop it the thing is that dog seemed just as friendly and grateful as the rest of them and what about after that you ever bring home another dog well hell no i wised my ass up yeah and look how great everything turned out for you wait a minute where are you going i thought you wanted my help i do but just with matt why just matt Because it doesn't matter if you're a good or bad person on the inside. The numbers don't care. (laughs) Zing. (laughs) This, they adapted this, of course, from in the book, Carl every night or most nights goes, sneaks down there and and sits and talks with Negan for a while every night. And then I love that at the end of that particular conversation, Negan goes, Carl, can I ask you a question? And Carl's like, of course. And he says, you still want to kill me? And Carl's like, absolutely. <laughs> and Negan's like, well, that's very upsetting. I thought we were friends. <laughs> Carl's like, yeah, but I still want to kill you. <laughs> he leaves. Yeah, that was a great moment. <laughs> Negan starts crying like, fuck, fuck, fuck. 
Yeah. It's yeah. Great. So, all right. Well, I had a couple of, of dislikes. I have five, but they're like really quick. I literally have one and it's related to your first two. So okay. <laughs> here's my <laughs> first one. Eugene's ponytail. Really? We go from that stupid mullet to a stupid ponytail. Why? True. He fights pretty good now, but that hair. No, no, <laughs> no, no. Nope. And I still hate the way Eugene talks. All clean. You sure about that? Indeed. They're whistle worthy. Clean as it was. I have no idea what the hell it's about or why, because he doesn't talk like that in the book. I think that's why we uh, feel how we do about the science teacher, because he's starting to come off like early Eugene a little bit. More positive and not as annoying, but like still kind of... Oh, Luke? The music? Yeah, yeah. yeah a little he too... Uh... He doesn't talk like a savant. No, <laughs> no, but I mean just the... Anyways, never mind. Um... <laughs> My pretty much my biggest and main and maybe even only real negative um, until I really think about it more, but going through the episode once, um, I really hated Eugene in this episode oh, because oh. like I said, yeah. in, that, in that first scene, I was like, wow, like, yeah, yeah. yeah he has the stupid ponytail, but sure he just is. jumps up and kills people right away and, yeah, or, yeah. you know, zombies and took charge and. Uh, you know, sticking yeah. up for the rules of the community, which I mean, uh, that was something yeah, Eugene would uh, probably always do. But I was like, yeah. mm-hmm. well, wow, he's looking pretty cool. And yeah. then he just, mm-hmm. turns out he's the same old Eugene. He's going to try to hit on Rosita, even though she's yeah. dating someone else. And, yes, yes, uh, yes. Oh, oh, no, 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 wait, wait. <laughs> Don't even say any more about that. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's. Get to that. Get to that. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. I just hate the way he talks, and he's got to stop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. Uh, I didn't like the fact that they didn't that Michonne was so opposed to helping Magna's group. I mean, this is very, this is like completely opposite from the book. Rick is very willing to help them in the same way that the original Alexander group was willing to help him and his group. So what do you think her motivation is? Well, she's, she's still clearly the opening scene with her. She's at the place where she believes Rick died. Yeah. And she's, she's saying the world seems darker every now and then though. I find a little glint of, sunshine mm-hmm. but she's just hardened and jaded and as opposed to jadis she's jaded jadis is gone thank god <clears throat> but she's just jaded and doesn't trust anyone and just thinks it's too much of a risk and then the fact that magna is hiding something a weapon and that she was a prisoner i think michelle just doesn't trust i i yeah so rick is completely opposite he's almost too willing to trust, but it seems more from the fact that he believes that they can handle whatever, if these people are bad, that the community can handle whatever happens. So like they don't lock them up. They let them walk around unescorted and there's no, uh, there's no acrimony about it. Um, I didn't like Judith's unbridled optimism. I get it. She's a kid, but they've used this plot device before ad nauseum and we always know where it leads. And why are they here? My call. It's not your call to make. I decided. They needed help. Judith. You know the rules. You all do. Nowhere good, Gary. Nowhere good. And then my final dislike was Henry. The kid's a fucking idiot. And that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. I mean, he's not as bad as fuckstick Chris, but he's 
approaching oh, those levels. Well, he's like fuck stick Chris with some skills. You know? <laughs> Not at the end where Chris was just a douche, too. This guy's just like, you know, I realized I finally have some hair down there, and I want to go out and show myself. I want to show my ass to the world, right? And then rushes in, and she's like, wait, wait. And guess what happened? It was a trap. And the only thing they were missing was the guy who looks like a fish coming out and going, it's a trap. <laughs> Admiral Akbar. <laughs> <laughs> Return of the Jedi. It's a trap. <laughs> you know who Admiral Akbar is, don't you? I know who he is. I don't know who played him under the costume. Oh, I don't either, but that, that's, his, that's a famous yeah. line. No, I know. Yeah. That that's fire came thing. from the Death Star. It's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, man, it's so good. Like the one female savior, I don't remember her name, is like, we saw you coming a mile away, man. What's up? But I I didn't like that whole thing at first. It all came together well. But I like where I knew Jed was going to step out of the, out of the other side. He comes out yeah. and goes, ah, oh, boss lady, and then he gives her that salute. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's my dislikes. Least the horse, fuck that horse. Wherever you are, fuck. Yeah, you. you know what? I think from now until the end of time, we should just curse that horse. That horse was a dick. That horse was the biggest dick in all of Walking Dead history, and there's been some big dicks in Walking Dead, but yes, that horse, fuck yeah. that horse. All right, well, here's some unanswered questions. Just two, really. What's up with that brand on Michonne's back? Clearly something that happened in the past six years. I'm guessing it would have been from the period that she left, like in the book. I was um, actually going to bring that up, but I didn't know where to put it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was wondering if you had any ideas on what that could be or where that was from, because I was curious in, yeah. as well. In the book, between the period of time when this, and they do it a little differently, in the period of time between the end of the war with the saviors and the beginning of this part of the story, Michonne took off. She was in a relationship with Ezekiel. She ne never hooks up with Rick in the book, but she just leaves and she's gone for a while. And then all of a sudden she starts showing up again, but she like lives with another community. And Ezekiel tries to like be nice to her all the time because he misses her and he likes her. And she's like kind of an ass to him. And they adapted a video game, I think from Telltale, that's about what she was doing when she was gone. I think there's, I think unless there's another point in time when she leaves, I'm not sure there may have been another point, but there's a thing where she's gone and they don't, it's a backstory thing. Hmm. I think that's something that either, cause they never show it before. So I'm guessing it's something that happened to her in the six year period, you know, hmm. right before the, you know, right before the uh, separatists arrived at Coruscant. Yeah. And, you know, Darth Count Dooku <laughs> and all that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, in that in that period of time. So I imagine if it's, it's anything, it's something having to do with that, that maybe she got captured by some people and she was branded like she was a slave or something. I don't know. Because they've never referenced it before, so it's got to be something that happened in the backstory of the, the six years. 
And the thing with the six years is they can now do a whole bunch of stuff that happened during that six years, like standalone stuff, hmm. adventures to fill in the gaps. Yeah. So, um, okay. Well, the, the second one is Gabriel and Rosita. What the fuck? What, what is that? <laughs> what? <laughs> I about, have no idea, man. Talk about no, 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 that doesn't work at all. That's like that. What Chris Hardwick says. I I don't know how I feel about that. This and there's never been any hints to it. It's not something that's been slowly building over years or anything. Like it's just out of they, nowhere. They're together. Like what? They've, they've never even exchanged like some brief longing look. <laughs> just yeah. what the what? I'd be surprised think, if they have ten lines between each other. They yeah, talking to like, each other. What? You know? what? <laughs> no. 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 Why? I mean, I guess he needed a rebound after Anne. You know, so I don't know what he needed, but that's not no, <laughs> no, uh-uh. no. Maybe she's in the guys with cataracts. Come some, I don't think he has a cataract. I'm just saying, I was just some just kind looks, of infection. It looks kind of like it, you know, cloudy and stuff. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I think he just has an infection. Maybe the infection eyeball. spread to his brain because that would make a lot of sense. I just don't know what. Yeah, that's just like doesn't seem like there was. Yeah, no, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I don't think so. No. And on that note, um, <clears throat> um, Norman Reedus and Melissa McBride signing three-year deals for the whole franchise of Walking Dead. Uh-huh. And they made a point to say franchise like that, so movies, web series, oh, whatever. Oh, yes, yes. I, um, speaking of that, I did read something online. Maybe it was part of the Wikipedia article, I don't remember. So, you know, take that as you will. That yeah. um, the producers of Walking Dead have said they intend to keep this going for another 10 years mm-hmm. doing a whole yeah. variety of things, movies, specials, other stuff. So. Um, well, there is a couple, I did post a thing about um, an article about walking dead fans are mad that AMC tricked them about Rick Grimes' exit. And then I put a comment that I don't, I think it was a great idea, blah, blah, blah. And then four people kind of agreed to me, but there's nothing really, exciting there to talk about you so. know these people need to get over that that's uh, but i mean everybody on our page that liked it and commented they no one was mad everybody was like yeah I'm, i agree i'm with you i think it was a good idea and they're just excited to see where it goes like that we are so yeah um, I just yeah 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 I don't. all right well that's it for this week Remember to leave your comments and feedback by emailing us at twdpodcast.gmail.com or by posting a comment on our Facebook page, which is where it is. It's and Facebook. you can also guess it's there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can also give us a call on our voicemail line at 561-501-1483. Please anyway. do. I'm, I'm bored. I'm bored of manning the lines alone. Yes. No calls. I even, even our favorite Betty. I understand how that manning the lines alone might be awkward uh, yeah. to admit. Wow. <laughs> well played <laughs> I got nothing for that one dang you got me go ahead make 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 circumference jokes again go ahead <laughs> I really ahead. shouldn't be, I, I'm, in, I'm in a glass go house ahead. myself I really shouldn't be throwing no, no geometric no geometric shape jokes buddy. <laughs> I was told there would be no math there better not be any math that's <laughs> no, fair no geometry, no calculus, no no math for liberal arts, nothing. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs>
So there's never been a better time to be a nerd. An angry nerd. Yeah, an angry nerd. <laughs> a ro- a rotund nerd. <laughs> uh, so stay safe. Gary? Lafayette, Louisiana. Lafayette, Louisiana. That works. I know nothing about Lafayette, Louisiana, except it was probably named after the Marquis de Lafayette. Probably. Who was instrumental in our revolution against the British. Hmm. Played by the same guy who played the French guy in The Matrix. Oh, really? Yes. That's neat. In in uh, Jefferson Goes to Paris, the guy who plays the Marquis de Lafayette is the same guy that plays the whatever that character's name was that talked about speaking French was like wiping your ass with silk. I mean, taking a sheet and wiping your ass with silk. <laughs> Very cool. Yes. So, so that, yeah. So, Stay safe, Lafayette, Louisiana. And we'll see you back here for our next episode. Only two left for the front half. Yes, sir. Hike.